Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station and at seattlesports.com. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine Electronics, and Les Schwab Tires. Morgan Hour 2, the Outdoor Line 710, Seattle Sports Station, Seattle Sports app. He hails from Grand Lake, Oklahoma. He just won the Bassmaster Classic with Yamaha-powered express aluminum boat, and he's with us right now. Good morning, and welcome, Jason Christie. Morning, Jason. Morning, Jason. Good morning, guys. How are you guys? Oh, doing great. Congratulations, by the way, and thanks for taking the time to jump on with us. Tell us about that aluminum bass boat, dude. How long have you been running one of these express boats, man? Uh, this is the second year. Um, you know, I joined them last year, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of opened my eyes um, to kind of the versatility of the rig. You know, a lot of people think, uh, you know, you, you see a guy win in an aluminum boat, and the first thing you think of is jumping beaver dams and logs and getting <laughs> the backwater. And uh, we, did, we did that last year on the Sabine. You know, when I won there, I kind of showed – what it can do up shallow, and I think one of the cool things is in the classic showing that, you know, it's not just the stump jumper. Um, you can get off the bank out there, thirty foot of water. Um, it really is a bass boat, and and uh, yeah, I just um, it just lets me. I feel tough. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I like like nothing like a. a I've mentioned kind of like an armadillo, you know, like nothing can really nothing can stop hurt you me from getting. Yeah, so uh, yeah, well, it's uh, pretty cool. They dent, they don't break. Now, how do they handle at 75, 80 miles an hour when you got your, you know, the pedal mashed and you're flying across the lake? Do they handle like a big heavy glass boat or will they, will they do okay at those high speeds? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the response, I think that's the key word is just, it's really responsive. Um, it you know it quick turns uh you know the whole shot in it is is what i think is uh really impressive I, you know i always say there is not a whole shot you know we we don't have a whole shot in our rig we we jump up and and we're on plane and and off to the races so yeah it's uh you know a lot of my friends get in it and you know marshals and tv guys and stuff and you know, that's the first thing they ask before we take off, man, how's this thing riding? And I just, you know, the simple answer for me is it will surprise you. And uh, a lot of those guys after, you know, we get off the water, that's exactly what they say. Man, I'm I'm surprised and uh, how it rode and, and how it handled. Bassmaster Classic, Jason Christie joining us this morning. Jason, what percentage of the field is aluminum these days? Um, Is there five of us? Four or five wow. of us? Wow. Uh, yeah, you're looking at what? What is that? Uh, yeah, a little over five percent. Wow. Um, yeah. So I know, I know yeah, you like to. The, I know you one like of the to. Cool things that Sorry. We have had what one, two, three, four, four or five wins in the last two years out of the guys that's fishing out of aluminum boats. And, and that's a high percentage. Whenever you only think about, you know. 20, 25 national tournaments in a year. Mm-hmm. 
So you you love to get in and do some shallow water flipping. And so does that aluminum boat allow you to kind of get into spots where maybe some of those other guys can't reach? You know, I saw that at, um, at Santee. I did not catch a lot of fish at Santee. But, um, you know, that thing's full of cypress trees. And I I was able to get in places, um, but I don't think a lot of people were would be able to just because, of, you know, the deck's wide. If you're fishing off of it, the deck feels really wide, and it is wide. But what you don't have on each side is that four or five inches of wasted uh, gunnel space. You know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. have the outside wall of metal, and that's it. So that gets me, you know, eight, ten inches narrower than a lot of boats. And literally at Santee, you know, I feel like I was going through places uh, in these cypress streets, but I don't know that there's been – you know, a bass, but I'm sure there's been kayaks and stuff like that in there. But uh, during the event, um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't running into anybody because I don't think a lot of those guys could, uh, other than the other aluminum boat owners, I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of those guys could get in there. Tell us about how you got started, man. You were a high school basketball coach, and now here you are winning the Bassmaster Classic. Tell us about the genesis of your whole bass, your professional bass fishing career, buddy. Uh, pretty crazy where it's yeah. taking you, man. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know, it's a pretty cool story. I, you know, I, I really had no aspirations at a young age of being a professional angler, just because, you know, it was so far out there. Um, you know, my parents didn't have, we didn't have a lot of money. We had, I mean, we we had what we needed. Uh, we weren't poor by any means, but we, you know, I didn't get a bass boat when I turned ten and all of this stuff. But I played <laughs> basketball in college and. And started coaching, and and anybody that's familiar with teachers, coach, coaches, you don't make a lot of money. So I supplemented that for nine or ten years with uh, fishing, you know, BFLs, team tournaments, and stuff. And it just got to the point where after nine years that I had to make a decision on what I was going to go after, um, you know, really, really competitively. Competitively, I couldn't keep doing both because they were interfering with with each other. So I chose fishing and. And, uh, you know, it started off kind of rocky. Uh, you know, the first tournament I ever fished, I think I finished 150th out of 200. And driving home, I was like, man, did I make the right decision? <laughs> but the next tournament, I finished in the top 10. And, and uh, I think from there, I just, you know, I gained a little confidence and and uh, was able to, you know, it's, it's been great, man. I, You know, I tell people if I never win another tournament, I still had, you know, one of the greatest careers that uh anybody could ask for well you're fishing for a living man and i mean you know we all love to fish um you get to fish so many lakes all over the country and i know you have a favorite lake talk a little bit about your favorite lake and and why what why is uh kentucky lake one of your favorite lakes um i don't know where you got the kentucky lake from but uh (laughs) kentucky lake is definitely you know what's weird about kentucky lake is is you know it seems like every time we go there, I do really good, uh, whether it was FLW or Bassmaster. It didn't matter. You know, we have so many good lakes across the country, but actually my favorite lake of all time is St. Clair uh, up in Michigan. I, you know, I've won a couple of times there. It's just it's different. And what makes that lake cool is it's giant. You know, you get out in the middle, you can't see the bank in any direction. And what's cool about it is, it is impossible. You can run across that lake blindfolded, blindfolded, 
shut your engine off anywhere, and it's impossible to fish for 30 minutes without catching one. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of the lakes that we fish, you know, around the banks and the ledges and stuff, that's good, but out in the center of the lake, it's really non-existent, um, you know, as a whole. But St. Clair is just different, man. It's got smallmouth, which is different than I get to fish for a lot, but it's just uh, it's just a cool, cool lake. We're talking with Jason Christie, Bassmaster Champ. And, uh, Jason, as a professional angler, your stuff has to work. If, if you have an equipment failure, it's the same thing as not being able to fish for whatever reason. It can't happen. Tell us about some of the stuff you do with your electronics, with your boat, with your Yamahas that, that keep you running sweet, keep you out of trouble, and keep you on the water. Well, you know, you're right about that. And I'm to a point in my career where – um, you know, I, I say this as humbly as possible. I can pretty much run what I want to run, and I want to run the things that give me a competitive advantage, uh, you know, from the Yamaha getting out of the hole, you know, in point oh 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 one seconds and, you know, the Express and the rods reels, all of them. Um, I think if I were to give some advice, you know, on the way I'm headed to Chick today, and, you know, on the way I stopped and, and serviced, my Yamaha, just like you're supposed to, 20 hours. And uh, I think a lot of people, if you want to really get the most out of your equipment, whether it be reels, rods, boat, Yamaha, it doesn't matter, you just have to maintain it. You know, just because you pay fifty or or $100,000 for a rig doesn't mean that um, you don't have to still maintain it. You know, every time I get home, before I leave for the next tournament, I make a circle around the boat. Uh, the trailer, my my garments, you know, I make sure all screws are tight. I make sure all my connections are tight. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I've changed the oil and everything in my Yamaha, which is really, you know, that's the good thing about Yamaha. It's about the only thing you have to do to it. Uh, you know, make sure my props tie. And it really doesn't take that long. Uh, you know, maybe five to ten minutes as long as you maintain it. And here's what happens. If you let it go for six months or a year, then you start incurring these problems because uh, they just they just snowball. So um, if I have to give some advice, it's just maintain your equipment. It'll last a lot longer, and uh, you'll spend a lot more time on the water fishing that, than you will fixing something. How many months out of the year are you on the road chasing bass and fishing in bass tournaments, buddy? And then when you do have downtime, are you doing something else, or are you scouting uh, during your downtime? Um, yeah, no, we, we pretty much leave, uh, leave in February. For the season we're done you know late summer you know and i'm a super avid deer hunter and as soon as we quit fishing you know i'm in the woods until really until the season starts i you know i i'm pretty much done hunting in december i spend january uh kind of breaking my equipment in getting it ready for the season fishing a lot and then it just we start right back in february but uh yeah i love to i love to fish and i love to deer hunt and and uh, those two kind of, you know, they. I don't think I could have one without the other. You know, deer hunting gives me something to look forward to throughout the season. And then, you know, I'm in that deer stand late December, and I can't wait to get back on the water. Heck yeah! You you got a particular buck you've been watching the past couple of years that that you got your eyes on for this next season? I got one I've been nursing a little bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just waiting for him to get a little bigger. Uh, you know, I actually, 
I was able to get the one last year that I was looking for, and and uh, you know it's it's to me as I get older, some of it's about you know that particular buck or whatever, but man, a lot of it for me nowadays is just being in the woods. Nope, you know the cell phones on silent, uh, sitting by myself and and just watching everything, taking kids, my kids hunting, you know, my family, uh, watching them do what. Uh, I used to do a lot of, but it's not about one deer or something. But that is my favorite thing to do, honestly. That's the beginning of the season. I kind of pick one out that I feel like really old and and uh, make it personal and uh, spend a lot of time going. At, it's kind of like bass fishing, you know. You you uh, you kind of target. You want to target those bigger fish, and I like to do the same thing. Well, Jason, thanks for your time today. We sincerely appreciate it, and thanks to. Nicholas Janisi and Brad Massey of Yamaha for setting us up. And, uh, again, man, a Yamaha-powered aluminum boat for the first time, an aluminum boat takes a classic. That's that's historic, man. It's it's awesome. And you you got one happy boat sponsor. I know that. <laughs> you just slapped some camo yeah. on that sucker and duck yeah, on out of that <laughs> thing now, buddy. Yeah, we, we might do that later. It's been pretty cool. You know, I've, I've learned a lot of the, the first time – things that's happened you know the aluminum boat and i was told a couple uh days ago that i um as far as everybody knows the first native american to win uh so it, it's just it's been pretty cool you know I, I it still feels like a dream and and i just don't want to wake up don't wake up man don't wake up and good luck and good luck on that buck this fall too jason we hope, hope to hope to get you on again sometime and and good luck the rest of the season as well my friend thanks buddy go get him man thanks, jason Thank you. You guys have a great day. You All too. Right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Congrats. Yeah. Great dude. Normal, uh, you know, kind of just a guy that fell into a wonderful freaking situation. I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. I like that he was supplementing his, you know, teaching and basketball <laughs> coaching career by fishing. It's like, wait. No, <laughs> it, it actually doesn't work that yeah. way. <laughs> How's that work? No doubt. Well, it certainly worked for him. Bassmaster champ for yeah. uh, 2022. Coming up next, a critically acclaimed award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Taking your safety seriously for over 70 years. Fishery managers just announced a nine-day sturgeon opener on the Lower Columbia River that will start on May 11th. The river will be open on Wednesdays and Saturdays from May 11th through June 4th from buoy 10 at the mouth on upstream to the Wana Power Lines near Kathlam. And anglers will also be able to keep sturgeon on Memorial Day, which is May 30th. All sturgeon fishing closes at 2 p.m. each day it is open. Anglers can retain one sturgeon per day between 44 and 50 inches and two total sturgeon for the season. Springer madness on the Columbia. The spring Chinook fishery on the lower Columbia has been heating up, evidenced by the numbers of fish crossing Bonneville Dam. A week ago, a total of 96 springers crossed over Bonneville, but that number jumped to 570 yesterday, and a lot more on the way. Master guide Eric Lindy has been fishing the Columbia down in Woodland. He's seen a definite uptick in the numbers of springers there. His go-to setups, a three-label cut plug, Behind a fish flash, he'll troll that setup near the bottom in 35 to 40 feet of water until he finds a depth those springers are traveling in lower Columbia. Slated to stay open for spring Chinook through April 6th, then fishery managers will analyze the run and determine if additional openers can take place later in the run. Saltwater anglers don't have much longer to wait for the halibut opener in the eastern straits of Juan de Fuca coming Thursday, April 7th. It's the earliest marine area 6 through 10 have, have opened up in, for halibut in many years. And tackle shops in the North Sound have been very busy with a steady stream of folks coming in to get rigged up for the opener. 
Kevin John at Holiday Sports in Burlington says they've got plenty of lead, heavy leader, halibut hooks, hoochies, and halibut bait in stock for the opener, but folks shouldn't wait to gear up. Kevin's go-do rig for an, uh, is an oversized hoochie on 10 ot big river hooks with a huge cheater in front of it. For the bait, he'll run either a large squid or herring injected with plenty of scent. Marine Area 5 and the Coastal Marine Areas open for halibut on May 5th. If you missed our rundown on this fishery, hit the podcast at theoutdoorline.com. David Dietrich at Adventure Angling in Tacoma says sea run cutthroat fishing in the South Sound is the best he's seen it in years. David said the chum fry hatch is in full swing and he's having his guests throw chum fry patterns with great success. Dietrich said uh, this is also a great time to fish surface patterns like poppers and chuggers for cutthroat. He said the average cutthroat's in a 13 to 15 inch, inch range, but they're seeing a few bigger fish each day. Book a sea run cutthroat trip with David. You can find him online at adventureangling.com. Six days of razor clam digging started yesterday with digs going through next Wednesday, April 6th. Today, Long Beach, Twin Harbors, Copalis are open with a low tide at 8.07 a.m. Tomorrow, Long Beach, Twin Harbors, and Copalis features are open and the low tide is 8.45. Diggers have the chance to dig razor clams during daylight hours and the late season digs, the limit is 15 razor clams apiece and digging usually starts around two hours before that low tide. Nathan LaFrance at Mardon Resort on the banks of Potholes Reservoir says the lake is coming to life. He said the walleye bite is picking up in the coolies and, the, and a night crawler on a slow death hook would be his approach to catch walleye there. The walleye are staging on the humps in front of Crab Creek also, and he said to fish the deeper water with jigs to get them to go. Nathan, Nathan said the bash, bass fishing is taking off back in the dunes, and the anglers are hooking great numbers of bass pitch, pitching black and blue rattle jigs. The trout action is also picking up on the reservoir around Medicare Beach area. Wedding ring spinners tipped with night crawlers, power bait plunked from the beach are both producing trout. LaFrance says mon- the months of April, May, and June are his absolute favorite time to fish on Potholes Reservoir. Dallas Meyer at Riz Fly Shop says the squala hatch has been happening on the Yakima River for the last couple of weeks. Squalas are the adult stoneflies, and they are the first big hatch of the spring. Rainbow trout simply devour them. Dallas expects to see squalas on the river for the next couple of weeks, and he said the afternoons are typically the best. They are also starting to see some March caddis in the mix. Dallas said the weather's been incredible in the Yakima River Canyon, and they expect temperatures in the mid-60s this weekend. Shed hunter killed by grizzly in Montana. Montana man searching for shed antlers was killed by a grizzly bear in southwest Montana this week. Search and rescue crews found Craig Coulitre's body 30 miles south of Livingston where he was hiking. Authorities said the unfortunate death caused by an encounter with a grizzly bear. Coltrays lost their home to a fire in 2020, moved into a new home just six months ago. He leaves behind a wife and four children. Find the best in tires, brakes, wheels, batteries, shocks, struts, and more at lesschwab.com. Terrible news. Dude, geez, just out, Just out trying to pick up elk and deer shed antlers. Well, and- there's, you know, we get news of this a few a, few a year out of Montana, yeah. that northwest corner of Wyoming. And now in, into Idaho too, uh, yeah. Terrible news, man. Yeah, terrible news. Yep. So they uh, got to they got to do something about the bear thing. There's just too yeah. many too many bears. Yeah. Not according to the commission. No. Yeah. According according yeah. to Washington's Wildlife Commission, you can just disregard science and just go ahead and because of your feelings, you want to you know shut off spring bear hunting for yeah. for no reason. Let's let's disregard disregard. I thought, I thought science was important. Was science important? No, it's not important, really. Uh, What is important is the Fish Northwest Derby ticket cutoff. I mentioned it was going to go till Monday. Kevin John of Holiday Sports just pinged me and said, 
Sunday's the last day to, to pick up these Derby tickets. So that Sunday the 3rd and that, that Derby starts next Friday the 8th and runs through the 9th. And then uh, there may be some adult beverages in Friday Harbor at the end of that Derby <laughs> on, on next Saturday night. Uh, also, Salmon for Soldiers, please, please, please go to SalmonForSoldiers.com and and sign up. We need, uh, we need we're at 30 boats right now, and uh, we're hoping to pump that up northwards of 100. Just take some vets fishing. Say say uh, thank you uh, and welcome home to uh, to a lot of our a uh, lot of our vets that are that are serving this country. Uh, also, uh, you have a note down here of uh, Calix River steelhead. Yeah, we've kind of overlooked that here the yeah. last couple of weeks, but they're getting some steelhead down there. That that B runs coming in, and it's it's been you know fairly consistent for the guys that are working that program. So you know uh, the the guys who are down there guiding on the Calix, they love it when the springer fishing gets yeah. good <laughs> oh, because yeah. it, it kind of yeah. sucks some of those <laughs> guys sure. out of there. Yeah. So they've been they've been anxiously waiting for the springer fishing to get good and, and uh, get a little bit. You know, a few less guys on the Last couple of weeks of March and these first, at least the first week down there in the Calus is really good for the steelhead fishing down there. Somewhere out there is going to be some absolute beast that is going to go take in the sixth, the last day of springer fishing, and then go hit the straights on the seventh. There's somebody out there that's that hardcore, I'm sure, and and I'd like to meet the guy. One guy that I've met and love to have in the boat is Buzz Ramsey, and he's next here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Get in, sit down, hold on, and listen up. You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's Wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. Welcome to the Wheelhouse here on 710 ESPN's The Outdoor Line, brought to you by Duckworth, Weldcraft, Northwest Boat. I found out this week where I stand in the Buzz Ramsey pecking order. I, I called him, I called his landline, I called the home line, I emailed him, I texted him. Robbo, I can't get a hold of Buzz. Uh, give me a minute. Hangs up, calls. No, he's good. He's good. I, I rang the phone all day, but, but Robbo calls you once, Buzz. Robbo calls you once. Buzz didn't answer because, my phone call either. That's oh. because I don't bug him every day, oh, you okay, see. Okay. He's yeah. training me. I, good morning, Buzz. How you morning. doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Good morning, my fishy friend. <laughs> when I talked to you yesterday or a couple days ago, you were out on the Columbia chasing springers. What's the latest, man? Is it as good as, as what we're hearing? It's picking up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every day the tempo is building, so the fish are finally showing up, and, uh, you know, people are catching fish. That doesn't mean everybody's limiting, but uh, some boats are. <laughs> and we were talking about the drill down there, the cut plug herring and the fish flash and the dropper line and all that stuff. Talk about how you rig up for these springers, buddy. Well, there's really two things. Of course, ocean tides affect the river, and, of course, you can – so when the tides are outgoing uh, – you can anchor up and plunk, you know, still fish, uh, or you can do a downstream troll. But if the river's big tides, we've got big tides right now, so if the big tides get going and you're, you know, you're moving along pretty fast, uh, then that might not be the greatest thing because water's still pretty cold and the fish won't expend too much energy trying to chase, chase a bait down. But, uh, so a lot of people anchor up on the outgo and they troll on the flood tide. And uh, generally the fish, you know, when the outgo current's going, it either pushes the fish to the bottom or to the edges. And uh, the flood tide, they tend to be a little higher in the water column, um, you know, especially over deep water. And uh, so, you know, I saw people, I've been out the last several days, and I saw people out in the middle of the channel where it's 50 feet deep trolling, and they're only putting their gear down maybe 20 feet or staggering the distance. And, uh, you know, when you're anchoring, you're usually in... You know, that uh, maybe as shallow as 10 or 12 foot to as deep as maybe 
twenty or or more. You know, maybe twenty five foot. And so. Buzz, when you're anchoring up, are you running quickies, or are you are you running, uh, you know, a flatfish or something, or are you still running the herring drill uh, when you're anchoring up on that? On if, that program? if you've got enough current when you're anchoring, if it, you're in a place where it's moving along pretty good, you can use a herring. In fact, I've caught them on a herring and a fish flash on anchor. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people will switch to a plug, you know, a bait wrapped quick fish, flat fish, uh, Brad's killer fish, that type of stuff. Uh, then the few spinners, you know, if the water's really, really fast, spinners uh, put out a lot of vibration, and that can really draw those those Chinook in. But plugs are the deal there. And usually a little longer dropper, you know, you want to, than when trolling. Trolling, you might use an 18, 20-inch dropper. Um, but if you're on anchor, you probably want 24 to 36-inch dropper. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe a maybe a 50-inch leader. So, hey, so yeah. Buzz. Uh, you've probably caught more springers than anybody, and and I've heard over the years, you know, you, these springers don't eat smell, and then you hear they do. What what's your take on it? Because we're hearing that the some you know a lot of these fish are having quite a few of those smelt in their bellies. Yeah, there's a lot of smelt. There was it's diminishing now. The smelt run is really trailing off, but uh, yeah, those chinook will eat smelt. Mm-hmm. In fact, that may be one one of the reasons why the run didn't. You know, it was off to a slow start. Of course, it's really picking up now, as a smelter. You know, kind of, kind of leaving, kind of gone, kind of gone past their peak. Um, but yeah, they'll eat smelt. In fact, a friend of mine had one that uh, it had a Chinook, an 18 pounder, I think. It had 15 smelt and two candlefish in its stomach. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's and a... then you'll you'll catch others. They won't have anything in their yeah. stomach. So yeah, yeah <laughs> but don't so... judge your success on. On uh, how many smelt they got in their tummy, they'll still eat. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> so we got through Wednesday, April sixth, the fish springers on the Lower River. But a lot of folks are getting geared up right now for the trout fishery coming up. Of course, we've got winter fisheries that go on all year long here uh, on the west side and even in eastern Washington. But really, the openers coming up the end of April. Folks are getting excited. What do you run when you go out and target these trout on these lakes, these planter trout, man? Because you've been doing this for years and you have a lot of success on these trout. What do you suggest for folks, man? Well, of course, if you if you have a boat, and of course, I mean, you can fish power bait from a boat or from shore. A lot of the bank anglers, shore anglers, they will uh, still fish power bait uh, along the banks. But most people you see along the bank, that's what they're using. Some will cast spinners or spoons or whatever, but, but power bait. And the, the fundamental, if you're fishing power bait, power bait is a prepared bait that comes in jars. It's about the consistency of Play-Doh, for anyone out there old enough to remember Play-Doh. <laughs> but uh, so it's kind of a doughy texture, comes in jars, and uh, it's formulated just for trout. So they uh, they dig it, and uh, and most people will use a you know 24 inch leader, um, a small hook like a like a 16 treble, small little treble hook, and uh, and a rig a swivel at their where they join their leader to their main line. They'll rig a swivel, and they'll have an oval egg sinker, maybe 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 three-eighths, half-ounce, or, or sometimes a little more, depending on casting distance. But you want an overleg sinker, and the overleg sinker, your line slides through it. You know, you thread it up your line, tie your swivel on, tie your leader on, your hook, and your overleg sinker is free-sliding. So the goal and the reason for such a small treble is you want to use enough power bait in combination with a small enough hook so the power bait will float up off the bottom so cruising trout can quickly find it. Now, one thing a lot of anglers, so you've got to have about a dime-sized piece of power bait, chunk of power bait molded around your hook to make it float. 
a lot of people to ensure that their bait is floating and maybe get by with a little less power bait, they'll uh, use a corky, a sm- one of the smallest two sizes of corkies, a 12 or a 14. And with that, you can use a little bit bigger hook and a little less power bait, and you can throw it out there. And, of course, that corky is buoyant, and it'll float your power bait up off the bottom so you know you're in the zone where the cruising fish can quickly find it. <laughs> and do you, you leave your bail open on your reel? If, if you're using a spinning reel off the beach, will you, will you throw some slack into it so they can grab that bait and run off with it, or are you locking that bail down? Um, uh, usually, I what I do is I cast out, and I'll... I'll, uh, I'll you know, the bait will sink to the bottom, and I'll leave a little bit of slack in my line. You want, you want to do that because you want the trout to pick up that bait and swim and swallow it before you set the hook. So, so you know, if you're leaning your rock up or your fishing rod up against a rock or something along the bank, you see your line start to take off. Well, you pick up your rod and set the hook. So the bail is closed while you're, while you're still fishing there. And, uh, yeah, you want them to swim a little bit. And if you're not having success... Uh, watch where other people are casting and are catching fish, and also what color power bait. Sometimes those fish will keen on a different color or flavor of power bait, so you might switch to that. The other thing, what I'll often do is, the fish may be close to shore early in the morning, low light when it's overcast, and then as a, if fish, if the water's clear, as the sun comes up, they'll move out deeper into the water column. They'll go out deeper into the lake because, after all, they don't have eyelids, so they'll be in those shallows searching for food during the night or low-light periods, and then they'll move out to deeper water to, uh, to get away from that bright sunlight because they, they, you know, they don't have eyelids. So the only way they can control the amount of light coming in their eyes is by where they're positioned. So then you might cast further into the lake, a little bigger sinker. Uh, the other thing is you might, if you cast in one spot and you don't get one, uh, what I do is I'll cast, especially, especially a little later in the day when the sun's bright, I'll cast far way out in the lake, and I'll let my bait sit there for five minutes. And then I'll pick up my rod, and I'll reel ten cranks of the reel handle, and I'll let it fall to the bottom again. And if I cast far enough, I might do that a second time. And a lot of times, moving that bait will alert the trout. They'll come over to investigate, and you might get them. The other thing, of course, is to cast different directions and see if you can come across a fish, get closer to where the fish are, are holding, and uh, or move your way along the, the bank of the of the lake uh, and, and searching for trout. Try different spots, and a lot of times you can you can up your odds of success by doing that. England legend Buzz Ramsey joining us this morning, and Buzz, you were with Berkeley forever. What yeah. what went into the research to developing power bait, and did you ever get a an inkling or a dirty trick or a substance out of them or, and, you know, I mean, seriously, cause that stuff, it's, it's just, I don't know what they found, but they definitely found something that basically all fish bite, whether it's, it's Berkeley gulp, whether it's all these products. So, I mean, what goes into the finding those dirty tricks? Uh, well, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. you okay. know, the old thing. <laughs> but, but I can say this cause I worked for pure fishing. I've been a long sure. relation. I had a yeah. long relationship with them and I worked for them full time for three years, been to the factory a number of times. They have a fleet of scientists back there doing experiments on real fish. And they've come up with not only formulas, formulas and ingredients, but little additives that really, uh, uh prompt those fish to zero in on that bait. 
you know, there's other knockoff products out there, but really PowerBait is the one. Can you get Most us the people, name? Yeah. The, we need some of those scientists, Buzz. Can I, you know, let, we're all going to get, we're going to go buy white lab coats and, and, and infiltrate the Berkeley factory. So Yeah, there you go. All right, Nelly's dream career right yeah, there. Just could, flashed before his yeah, eyes. I can get a pocket protector and a slide rule. You know, that stuff in works door. inside of a hoochie, too. Oh, yeah. I know it does. In yeah. the salt water. Oh, yeah. For sure. Those hatchery salmon I've, key right into that, too. Mm-hmm. I've taken, uh, you know, a hammered spinner blade. Talk about spinner fishing mm-hmm. for springers or summer chinook. A hammered in spinner blade. The inside of the blade is hammered in. Mm-hmm. Since. Uh, will really stick to that a lot better than a slick blade, a highly polished blade on the inside. And uh, and I've taken that parabate jelly and smeared that on the inside of a spinner blade. And I'm here to tell you, for Chinook mm-hmm. salmon, that can really make a difference uh, a lot of days out there if you're fishing fast water where spinners are really really the thing that you'd be using. That uh, <laughs> the old golf tee spinners that we used to, we used to stuff that stuff under you know in in, in the tees too and get that it, it was always a bugger to get it back out of there. But once you got in there, Buzz Ramsey, we look forward to uh, fishing with you maybe a little bit later this year. We thank you for your time this morning and keep in touch, my Stop friend. calling them every okay. day. Nelly. I obviously <laughs> every said, day just I didn't, bugging him. So just can you just unblock me? You know, just kind of you know back. To, you know, Thank allow you, the Buzz. And and enjoy the last few days of this early part of the season, man. You're, you'll probably get a few springers here coming up. It's looking good down there. So go get them, buddy. Yeah, we're good. We're gonna do it. Thanks yeah. a lot, fellas. See you, man. Thanks, right. Buzz. Thanks, Bye. Buzz. Coming up next, the hottest report we're heard all week and the techniques you need to succeed. It's RoarRobinsonRV.com's really where, and it's next here on Seattle Sports Station Seven Ten and the Seattle Sports App. No way. you got to be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back from the island of Tinian Delay. Where'd you get him, man? No way. you, you got to tell me. I, I, I'm not going to tell anybody. Ocean Journey Red. Hey, man, can you tell me where you got him? I'll never put on a life jacket again. Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? Where? Where? RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? It's time to step up the number one Winnebago dealer in the Northwest. You're going to find a complete line of Class A's, Class B's, Class C's, Super C's, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, tour haulers, pop-ups, campers, and more. Roy Robinson RV Center, RoyRobinsonRV.com. 1-800-DUI-AWAY, Nelly. Really? You got that programmed in? You got that? Get I, that you know, I, I, was, I was running a little hot yep. this, this week, so I had <laughs> I had to add some coolant. It's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Springer fishing. You yes. guys are headed out tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. Prime time on the lower Columbia. It's open through Wednesday the 6th. Uh, pretty good down there. Pretty and good. big fish. Nicer fish yeah, this yeah, year. Heard of some fish in the, <laughs> actually the upper 20s. Upper I saw 20s. a picture, like a 27-pounder. Oh. oh, oh my god! A 27-pound Springer is like a 45-pound oh. chunk. There's not, I mean, you don't see those very often. I didn't believe what they, what people told me about how they ate till I actually oh. went down there and, and brought some home. We put it on the on the grill on a cedar plank. It was the most ridiculous thing as Yo, I, as I whacked microphone my mic went here, down, mic flailing my hands around. Mm. Uh, incredible. So that's happening right now. And then obviously we covered the halibut opener early in, earlier in the show here. That happens on Thursday in the Eastern Strait. The earliest. I can remember. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's been probably 25 years or so uh, since we've had an, an opener that early. These fish migrate in in the wintertime. For sure. And they're in there on those banks. In the winter, when we used to be able to fish in the strait for blackmouth, you'd be catching halibut mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. You'd, you'd be you know, fishing for 22-inch, 24-inch blackmouth and get a 60-pound halibut on, on the blackmouth <laughs> gear. 
Oh, my gosh. We were in the Derby one time. Oh, yeah. This, and, oh, yeah. This is yeah. A classic. And there was these guys with us. We were trying to, you know, trying to tick them they off. They kind of big-timed us. Oh, the big, yeah, they did. Us. Yeah, they did. They had so. it coming. And so oh, Rob, so Robo hooks this fish. And we, we, were, we thought, you know, for the first four or five minutes, yeah. this is this thing is a huge. And then the line angle went straight up and down. We thought, oh, we got no, a halibut here. Yeah, this yeah. is a But so we thought, all right, let's mess with these guys. So we got the net. Like we're gonna like we're gonna net this and then and then of course we leaned over the side and, and pretended like we put it in the boat and then went woohoo as we let the freaking halibut go. It's kind of we, we would stupid. never do anything like it that. But uh, kind of that's a, what's going on. Kind of had to be the there. Seventh, stupid, stupid fisherman. Yeah, thing, stupid but, uh, fisherman deal. But yeah. uh, the seventh in the Eastern Street, three days a week except for uh, Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be open through the weekend there. Uh, and then you got May fifth for the uh, for A five and the coastal units, and they'll be busy out there. We're talking about the guys being lonely out at Nia Bay. They won't they, be lonely. for No, long. not for yeah. much longer. Uh, just a little over uh, five weeks, a little over four weeks, actually. And I just delivered bait folks. out there, so yep. there's there we a bunch go. of halibut bait out there for Also, you guys. bass fishing. Uh, of course, we had Jason Christie on the show. He won the Bassmaster Classic in an aluminum bass boat, first time ever there. They're, those express bass boats look super cool. We were checking them out online. But the bass thing's going off here. Eastern Washington, it's on fire. I talked to Nathan LaFrance at Mardon store uh, last couple of days. They've been sending me pictures and all kinds of stuff. Guys are hooking, like, tons of bass back in the dunes right now um, on jigs, blue and black uh, rattle jigs up in the dunes, and then the west side. This is when the biggest bass of the year come off the off the lakes here on the big, west side, big girls. up on the yep. beds. Yep. And I saw, I checked out the weather here earlier in the show. Seattle weather. We got a sixty degree day on Thursday, and you know the sunny side of those lakes. Um, I would not hesitate to get up in there. And and poke around this week and look for some of those bigger bass. But I mean, we've had Russ Baker on the show multiple yeah. times talking about you know February, March, April. It's mm-hmm. still a little chilly out, but those big hands move in this time of year to set up their beds, and that's when you see those six, seven, eight pounders come out of these lakes. Dude, the weather for the halibut opener sixty six degrees. Yeah, Ooh, perfect. perfect. So wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Halibut openers are usually Galecraft advisories, right? Galecraft advisory. Gale, yeah. Rob, Rob Ansley's Galecraft advisory. It's a cross, you know, and, yeah, it is. It's a yeah, yeah. it's a hybrid weird yeah. storm system, <laughs> and and so it really tall towards, yeah, weather system as well. Uh, but we got good tides and good weather in the first week of April for a halibut opener. What? That's... I hope WDFW doesn't get wind of this. Yeah, no, no, I mean this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> They'll shut this yeah, thing down. We're, emergency halibut uh, closure. The commission, yeah. the commission yeah. is sharpening, sharpening their sword right now. It's we're chopped. gonna cut that one. Right <laughs> <off>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so another thing to keep our eyes on. We're gonna find more about this on Tuesday. Speaking of cut the cut the deal here is uh is cq right right now i mean it's limit action uh out out at cq for chinook um that season slated to run as a season through april but if the harvested chinook get up close to the the fram the modeled number um they might have to take some action especially you know i mean we're we're talking with the co-managers right now and talks with north of falcon are kind of at a at a fragile stage this would be a bad look to be out there going well over an anticipated catch. So more to come on that. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. find more about that on Tuesday. We'll keep, definitely keep you posted on the Outdoor Line social media channels. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Nelly. All right. I thought, oh, I thought you had, I thought you had more. You, no, you, I, I think, fort- I think we should do a one fish limit out there. Oh, there's no I, I do yes. for more opportunity. And, and I, and I, we, actually you guys proposed that the, the Puget Sound Recreational yep. Fishing Board, when yeah. Area 10 opened up one fish limit, they came out with a two fish limit. Boom. It's immediately closed. Mm-hmm. Um, just maximize opportunity. We just need more time on the water. You can always, 
you can always make it a two fish limit later on. You, can. you know, you can't take yeah. it. You can't take it back now, yeah, right? right? And well, we beat on WDFW a little bit. Well, no, Nelly does. No, but really, there's a lot of folks no. there that do a great job. I would our, never. Our, our I would game never. Orders. Yeah. are out there putting their lives on the line all the time. A lot of Absolutely. folks working extremely hard there. Uh, but unfortunately, they come through the crosshairs once in a while. So, well, especially month. the commission. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the commission. And they don't officially work for WDFW. No, they don't. So. No, they yeah. work against WDFW, quite frankly, yes, and then make, make things more difficult at times. So we got you for one more show, and then you're going to be up north coming at us on a remote. On unlimited bandwidth from yeah. southeast Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> we did this last year, and it cut out quite a bit. But yeah. I'll, I'll be bringing my remote uh, my remote gear with me, and I'll be I'll be tuning in here and checking in with you guys. What is so right now? We're looking at a 66 degree day here in here in the Seattle area. Mm, uh, you know, not going to be that. Where I'm what, going? What what, what, no. what what's Greg right mm, now? 30s, mid 40s. 30s to low 40s, Perfect. and mix snow and rain every day nice. for the next week, week and a half. So. Perfect. 10 day forecast was the same every day <laughs> yeah. for the next. We we days. finally get like some really nice yeah. sunny warm weather, and yeah. Rob is loading up the time family. It's yep. a, and heading. It's a good time for the monsoon. Stay inside and do boat work. Alaska. Yeah, the boat will be in the shop, and I'll have that sucker all tore apart doing. The kids will just be staring out the window, watching the rain. Have we done? Rain, mm-hmm. bl- rain blowing sideways. That's Why the deal. do you do this to us, Daddy? <laughs> Missed any of the show? Jump on MyNorthwest.com. Download the Apple Podcast app. Get the podcast on TheOutdoorLine.com. Give him a give him a follow over here at Rob Ensley, at Joey Pyburn on Instagram, at The Outdoor Line on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For Matt Nelson, keeping this train on the tracks, Joey Pyburn, that's Rob Ensley. I'm Tom Nelson. Thank you for listening to The Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app.